Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our risen and living Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The word of God which we hear this morning is from the Gospel of Mark chapter 7 verses 1 to 13. Then the Pharisees and some of the scribes came together to him having come from Jerusalem. Now when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, that is to say with unwashed hands, they found fault. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands in a special way, holding the tradition of the elders. When they came from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other things which they have received and hold, like the washing of cups, pitchers, copper vessels, and couches. Then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? And Jesus answered and said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, These people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men, the washing of pitchers and cups, and many other such things you do. And he said, that, said to them, All too well you reject the commandment of God, in order that you may keep your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, and he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, If a man says to his father or mother, Whatever profit you may have received from me is korban, that is, a gift to God, then you no longer let him do anything for his father or his mother, making the word of God of no effect through your tradition, which you have handed down, and many such things you do. So far the word of the Lord. Sanctify us by your truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. I don't know about you guys, but when we were young, water fights always ended the same way. We would start with water balloons and water guns, but at some point we would abandon them for the hose. Someone would get the hose and just start spraying everyone down. At this point it became a contest to see who could get the hose or who could sneak behind the person with the hose and kink it, cutting off their supply of water, making it to no effect that they had the hose, stopping the power of that hose. It's all too often people do the same thing with the word of God. Trying to get behind God and kink the hose, trying to stop the power of God's word and creating or making God's word to no effect. We know that God's word is powerful. We hear that often. We, we read it in scripture, the power of the gospel, the power of God's word. And if God's word is so powerful, why does it so often feel as if there is no power? That as if God's power is not present in our life or sometimes even in our churches? And the answer is quite simple. Because we have a tendency to get behind God and kink the hose. As God reports to the Pharisees, you have made the word of God of no effect. Long before Jesus' coming, Isaiah prophesied that this not only would happen, but was already happening in his time. You worship me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. Yet at his coming, Jesus unkinks the hose, 
and brings the full force of God's word, the full power of both God's law and his gospel to bear in the lives of his disciples and in our lives as well. Stop kinking the word of God. Allow the power of his law and of his gospel to change your lives. We have two examples of such kinking of the hose in our text in front of us. The first is this matter of the washing of hands. Notice that our text makes it very clear that this is not the word of God. This is not a commandment that God gave the people, but entirely a tradition made up by the Jews. Mark tells us that. Jesus tells us that. And the Pharisees themselves admit that, saying to Jesus and his disciples, why do you not listen, why do you not follow the tradition of the elders? They know full well it's not God's word, but only the tradition of the elders. God's word did indeed talk to them about washing. The priests were supposed to wash before giving certain sacrifices, and even the people were supposed to wash at certain times after certain sins and such not. But the Pharisees, the rabbis, took it to another level, thinking that, well, if we are supposed to wash before our sacrifice, well, we'll make ourselves even better, even more pure, even more righteous, by washing before each and every meal and in many other times as well. Now on the surface this might sound like a harmless tradition. What does it hurt if the people wash their hands before they eat? After all, we do the same, or most of us try to anyway. Hopefully we do. We know that washing of hands before we eat is a good thing, so why is Jesus so opposed to it? Why does he find so much fault with the Pharisees? The problem, of course, is not that they're washing their hands before they eat. The problem is that they make this the focus of their teaching and their life. Notice that their whole goal here, they come to Jesus, they take the time to come to Jesus to complain about the fact the disciples are not washing their hands. When I was younger, I, when I was in high school, I worked at Hardee's. I remember there was one night when my boss asked me to mop the floor before my shift ended, before I left for the day. Well, I got out the mop and the mop bucket, but there was something wrong with one of the wheels on the mop bucket. It wasn't turning right. And so it kind of made the mop bucket a little hard to, to pull the way it normally would. So I decided to sit down and fix it before mopping the floor. Well, one thing led to another, and it wasn't as simple as I thought. And before long, the 45 minutes was done, I had to go home, and the floor wasn't mopped yet. It doesn't do much good to fix the wheel on the mop bucket if you never get around to actually mopping the floor. A mop bucket with all four wheels working isn't much good if you never actually use it to mop the floor. There's a problem there with priorities. And the Pharisees also have a problem with priorities. They're obsessed with this idea, this tradition of the elders of washing hands and they therefore lose the focus on what they should be focused on, the preaching of the gospel. But notice that when Jesus comes, he unkinks the hose. What does scripture tell us but that Jesus went everywhere preaching the gospel? Mark, Matthew 4, 23. Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues, 
preaching the gospel of the kingdom. The fact that they're, not, that they're washing their hands is not really that important. The fact that they are focused on this and using it and failing to preach God's word and God's gospel causes God's word to have little to no effect among the people and among themselves. We too often have a tendency to kink up the power of God's word by simply filling our lives with irrelevant and unimportant things so that we never have time for God's word, don't we? There are pastors who spend all their time and energy preaching about social causes and politics and fighting injustice and helping the poor, things which are good to do, except for they allow that these things to take the focus away from the gospel so that the gospel, the power of God, is never preached, or very rarely. In our own lives as well, we have a tendency, a tendency to kink up the power of God's word by focusing on the wrong thing. As parents, we often focus a lot of attention on teaching our kids to be tidy, to clean their rooms, helping them to get good grades, or to be good athletes, but forget the one thing that is most important, teaching them prayer and Bible study, teaching them to live in the Word of God. And thus, removing the focus, we kink up God's Word and remove its power and its effectiveness from our lives. The Pharisees were very good at spending all kinds of time and finding all manner of ways in which they were fixing the wheel of the mop bucket without ever mopping the floor. And they were fixated on the wrong things and not preaching the word of God. When Jesus comes, he knows that what the people need is not more customs, not learning how to wash their hands in exactly the right way. What they need is the preaching of the gospel, the forgiveness of sins, the fullness of the power of that message that even though we are sinners, he has come to redeem us by his blood. You also don't need to learn the right way to wash your hands in order to be holy, because you've already been washed by the power of Christ and in his blood. The second example of how they were kinking God's word that Jesus points to is this tradition of korban. The word korban here refers to a personal vow ritual. A personal a ritual in which per, a person would make a personal vow to the Lord. And the Mishnah, which was the tradition of the elders, it was a book uh, recording the discussions of the elders and a lot of other things that have been passed down. The Mishnah discusses this very case that Jesus is talking about. So Jesus isn't referring to something that the Pharisees were unaware of, but he's taking their own teaching, and that's what he's talking about here. In the Mishnah, it discusses the importance of personal vows and how when you've made this personal vow, it is something that must be kept, and there's nothing that can undermine or free you from such a personal vow. In fact, it goes on to discuss how this personal vow is of such power and of such importance so that if you even say one word of the ritual, you don't even have to go through the, the whole, say the whole thing or say the whole ritual, but if you even say one word of it, you are bound to it. And that's what Jesus is talking about here, how the Mishnah says, if you even say this one word, korban, this one word of the ritual, now you are bound, that thing is bound to the Lord, and there is nothing that can free you from that vow. 
In fact, it goes on, even the fourth commandment. Even your duty to your parents cannot free you from that bound. And so that's what they're saying here, that that highest commandment, that they, they respected that fourth commandment very much. The Jews understood and knew the importance of obeying your parents and taking care of them in their old age. But they say even that is not above this personal vow. That's what Jesus is talking about. They've made their own tradition, this ritual they came up with of a personal vow of more effect and of more power than God's word. And so they once again kinked up God's word, removing God's power and replacing it with their own rather feeble power. You notice how in the first example, they're really stripping the gospel of the power by simply removing it from their lives, choking it out. We remember the parable of the sower and the seed and how the weeds, the daily life, often chokes out the power of God's, of God's gospel. Now here, they're stripping the law of its power by replacing it with their own tradition. And this happens fairly, fairly regularly because when we're confronted with God's law, God says do this and this and this, and number one, we can't do it. And number two, we often <coughs> fail to do, to do it or don't want to do it. And so when we fail to keep God's word or simply don't want to do God's word, we often make up other reasons or other laws or other rules or other excuses and comfort ourselves with, well, I may not have done what God says there, but look, I did this thing, and so God will be happy with me. It's as if our parents send us to our room and say, go and do your homework and clean your room. And we come back and say, well, I didn't do my homework or clean my room. But look here, I painted this nice picture for you. So you shouldn't be angry or upset with me. Well, our parents are going to send us back until we do what we, they told us to do, right? And so many people kink the power of God's law by replacing what God says with our own traditions making ourselves feel pious and holy by the traditions of men, look how good I am at washing my hands or of dedicating my inheritance to the temple instead of doing what God says in honoring our parents and preaching the gospel. When Jesus came, he unkinked again that hose of God's power. He preached the, the law to its full effect. He didn't pull his punches, did he? He reminds us that he who hates his brother is a murderer. You don't have to actually have to hurt your brother in order to sin against God's law, but even that anger in your heart is the same, is against the fifth commandment. He who looks after a woman to lust after her has already committed adultery with her. Jesus didn't replace God's law with other things that were easier to do. He didn't come down to this earth and say, okay, you guys aren't very good at following this, so here, I'll give you a lesser assignment that you can complete. Jesus knew that what we needed was not a different law or an easier law, but instead one who would fulfill the law perfectly in our place. And so Jesus unkinks the power of God's law. He preaches it to our, his full effect, but then takes our place under that law and fulfills God's law as it stands for us. If we try to deny God's law or replace his commandments with our own version, we're really stripping God's word of its power. 
But when we allow the fullness of God's law to speak to us, we acknowledge that we have sinned and look to Jesus instead, then the power of God's word is filling our hearts. Stop kinking the word of God in your own life. Stop filling your lives with irrelevant things that take your focus off the gospel and stop making excuses for the full effect of God's law. We know that we are sinners. We know what God's law has to say to us. But we also know the grace of God that sent Jesus to die in our place. Romans 1, 16-17 I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Christ unkinks the fullness of God, the power of God's word in our lives as well, preaching to us the full force of the gospel and the even greater fullness, sorry, the full force of the law and the even greater fullness of the gospel, the forgiveness of our sins. Amen.